Hello, this is Clint Locklear from Trapping Radio, and I've been getting a lot of requests lately about finding somebody that either trapped in Alaska or Canada, and I've not done that, but I found someone that traps in very deep snow, which is Dave Verts, and uh, I've known him for quite a while. I've done an interview with him and his daughter before, and we're going to talk about deep snow trapping tonight, and I'm going to be more of an observer than I am going to be trying to put input into this because I don't do that very much anymore. But before we do that, I want to get into our sponsors. They're the ones that keep trapping radio on the show. We have F&T fur, fur Harvesters, everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Um, they just have a great catalog. They have all my stuff in there, and if you're looking for paper, they can take care of it. The other one is Funky Trap Tags and Supplies. They got a whole line of trapping supplies, predator calls, stuff for fish and bear and hogs and everything else. And they also have all of my stuff in their catalog. And then we have Oki Cable and Trap, which is out of Oklahoma, of course. Jeb has got a full trapping supply line. Just a really cool guy to deal with. And uh, he can pretty much find whatever you're looking for. So if you're looking for anything, Give Jeb a call at Oki Cable and Trap. And then we have Dunlap Lures, which Jeff is a good friend of mine. He's been making lures when he was a kid with his dad. He's still continuing that trade on. And it's just, a, he makes really good lure and it's a really good story. And he's a good trapper, so you can trust what he puts out. All right, Dave. Yeah. I've been getting all <laughs> of these calls. Apparently, y'all are getting hammered with snow up there. Actually, us up here this year, we're uh, we're north of it. We're not getting a lot of snow. It's actually one of the least amount of snow we've had in a while. Our snow is supposed to just start coming next weekend for deep snow. You know, eight ten inches is nothing here. How deep do you normally get up there? Uh, well, I work. I'll get up into some lake effect areas where there's a lot of snow, but that's crazy snow. That's yeah, that could be measured several feet but down like where i live the lake effect is about an hour and a half north of me i'm usually we get a couple feet by now you know two or three feet is a good winter and it stays there the whole time yeah yes it's i hope it does i like the snow trap I, a lot of people hate it but boy there's a lot of opportunities in the snow that are missed no. Some of your easiest work. <laughs> where where do you live at? So if someone doesn't know who you are from Facebook. I'm about 60 miles north of Green Bay. I'm in northeast Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, well, I'm, the Bay of Green Bay is 40 minutes to the east of me. I'm right on the Michigan-UP border. is a mile as a crow flies from me. Oh. I work in Michigan mostly. Yeah, I have my trap line, I stare at the Michigan banks of the river. <laughs> do you ever go across, do you ever get a license and go across into Michigan? I I will be a lot this spring for Beaver. The company I work for is a big timber company and they own I know, over 40,000 acres and they have some beaver that need to be killed. And I just started with them so it seems like it's just a perfect opportunity for me to go kill some beaver this spring. Uh, little coyote, you know, the coyotes actually, I've been waiting for the river to freeze on my east line because I'll get Michigan coyotes back over here. They're crossing the ice. Right now, it just froze last week and 
catching started going up now because we already trapped out that east line pretty hard. To, the ones that were easy to catch are gone, put it that way. We get some new ones to come over. Yeah, years ago, I went up and, well, I'm going to say, let's see, how can I say this? I taught people how to trap in Canada on an island about three hours south. I mean, no, it had been, it, I guess it had been northwest of Toronto. And, and what they were finding is when the lake froze over, which it took us 45 minutes on a boat to get over there. I had a hard time believing this thing would freeze over. The coyotes come over and destroy their deer. I mean, like decimate them. And, and they said it looked like blood just running back across the lake when they went back in the evenings. Oh, I bet. I've I seen them actually push deer out on the big lakes. Like on the bay, if we go out fishing whitefish, and we're usually six, seven miles out on the ice fishing them, you'll see coyote tracks out there, but coming in, you'll see where they actually get the deer onto the ice, because they can kill a deer on ice pretty easy. Mm. And you get, it's funny, I well, coming off the landing to go fishing, we tracked one, he was over six miles out, and he was headed to the Sturgeon Bay with the, another six miles. And he was heading that way, so he must have just left and took off across the ice. We'll find a new home, I guess. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, you don't think a coyote travels that far, but it, when you get out there fishing and you're out on the lake and you're seeing coyote tracks, and it's like, well, that ain't somebody's dog. And plenty of guys, they'll see them out there, too, because you can see a long ways on the ice. And there's not a lot of snow on that ice when you're out in the middle of it. That snow gets blowing off there, so it's easy traveling for them. That makes sense. Yeah. This, this place was a, like a, a high-end, really stuffy bird reserve. And, and they, uh, they had deer hunting for certain people. You had to be like above the, the bird hunters. And then like for two years, they couldn't find a deer. And they end up calling me and I go out there and I teach them how. That was the craziest thing in the world, Dave. I had to go up there on vacation and we had to fly in all the equipment and then, oh, then we had to prep it all and then we had to go teach these guys how to do it but they wouldn't leave till after breakfast at nine they had to be back in at 11 for tea they would come back in at one for lunch they'd come back in for two at tea and then they would come back in at four for dinner and, well, I live in a different world for traffic. <laughs> I just kind of threw my hands up, man. I'm like, how are y'all getting anything done up here? How do you get that many chew breaks in a day? <laughs> it was insane. So, so I guess the question that most people have, and... Um, in deep snow, like my experience in Alaska, brother, it, it was like watching Lucille Ball for me. To, you know, I caught stuff, but it was ugly. So when you're in really deep snow or, or, or this constant snow, what are you doing that allows you to keep catching? Because I keep seeing your videos on Facebook and, and you and your daughter are killing it. Yeah, it's... A lot of it starts from before the snow falls. 
is having stuff ready for every situation. I'll have wax sand, I'll have dried grass, I have cattail heads. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I have systems, how you talk and teach systems, I have systems already stacked, ready to go according to the type of snow I'm gonna have. And another thing is, well there's two more main things, is your approach to traffic needs to change. Because snow, I call it trapping off of the X. When we talk about being in prime location for coyotes, and we think of an X, and where that center of that X meets is the prime location, well, when you're dealing with three feet of snow, you might not be able to get there efficiently. But if you trap the legs of, the max, of that X, if you figure in your head an X, you see it in your mind, and you see them four points on the X, that might be a roads going around that are plowed, and you'll do a lot of trail setting because that's what you really need deep snow because you got to remember a coyote's moving from food source to food source if we spend our time learning a coyote and what he eats he's not just running around in deep snow not getting any calories in he needs calories mm-hmm. it's calorie it's calories in and calories out it, they need an easy way to travel your small game and your deer like up here when i'm actually cutting a big cedar swamp right now and the deer are just starting to yard up You'll get, I've seen two or 300 deer down in a cedar swamp eating when we're cutting. Well, them trails coming into that cedar swamp, that's coyote heaven. Because the coyotes will actually pack like wolves when they start hunting deer like that. You'll see family groups getting together, and you'll see six, seven coyotes in a group, and they'll be on them deer. So, you know, you got to think your food source. So, like you say, trap off the X. You're going to hit the four legs, like the plowed roads going down to that that big cluster of deer, like we're talking about in the cedar swamp. Instead of getting right down in the middle where you're trying to walk out there, it just takes too much time. So if you can hit them four trails going to that prime spot with four trail sets, it's way more efficient. That's the base. That's where your mind has to go with deep snow. You know, and here I can't snare. I can only use cable restraints snaring them trails would be good but there's so many deer you're going to have issues right you know so once you get into that situation and it don't have to be deer i'm using them as an example rabbits will be in the spruce more uh coyotes themselves will travel spruce and pine thickets more because there's less snow in there like you say you got to be thinking calories in calories out you know well it's basically how a coyote lives all his whole life, really. You know, uh, far as sets, if you have your dried grass going, and now you got your wax sand, deep snow wax sand to me isn't necessary because I'm cold enough that I'm going to set right in the snow. And well, I know me and you have talked about that. Yeah. Well, what are your temperature? What is your temperature average in the winter? In the winter, like coming into January, we shouldn't see highs above 20. This year is crazy. Today it was 33 degrees. Mm. Uh, that makes for tough snow trapping. I'm watching, I'm like, the weatherman's my best friend with snow because deciding how the sets, what sets I'm gonna use. You know, if I'm gonna purely snow bed traps, I wanna see highs not much over 25. Cloudy days are your friend because sun sun makes crust on snow and then you got a whole different system you got to use with crusty snow see that's what people don't i know 
think a lot of people are willing to spend the time nowadays to learn the differences of like our snow changes like in alaska i think you had more like a pellet type snow that's real packy no it was it was uh our, our snow came in august and left in about may and it was it was like air all i mean our average temperature was 20 below zero that was Perfect. our average that. yeah that's that that is our average so uh we i never had to deal with freeze thrall i know lately they've had to but when i was up there we never had to deal with that so it was constant fluff yeah. all the time. That that's perfect, and that's why there's so many good snow trappers up there, you know. And that's me myself. This year, we went the whole month of January with very little snow, maybe eight inches, and the ground's good and froze under it because it froze. Which I really like frost under the snow, which you guys down south probably don't get. No, no, uh-uh. you know, no. So you're dealing with. Like I see in the southern part of the country is getting a lot of snow this year, and I I, I know last year we didn't have frost. We had uh, I think our first snowstorm was a foot of snow at once, wet heavy snow, and the ground's insulated then and it don't get frost unless you expose it, and that's that's a bear trap. And you're further off to probably run more trail sets, and then. You don't want to bed traps in that because as soon as you open it up, it's going to freeze mm-hmm. and it's wet already. And then what I'll do there a lot of times though is I'll bed a trap. I'll put grass down in the bottom of the bed. I'll put flake antifreeze down. I'll put grass. Some guys will use insulation, which I don't really care for in wet because it absorbs water. Mm-hmm. But but then I'll just run grass, kind of like what. Mark Zager shows with his pipe dream where he uses screen and, and just cut grass back over the trap, top of the trap. And then, you know, you can cover with a little snow. I, I like to see temperatures not above 25 if I'm covering with snow. That's And then now, like, coming into February, that sun gets a lot of power, and you're going to deal with, I uh, well, you see, I run white traps, and that's mainly for February. This that sun, it'll just eat just to keep the heat off of it, you know. Off the traps itself. Yeah, because you can bury a trap six inches deep in snow. If it's a black trap, that sun will eat right through the snow at that trap. You know, it just gets that little extra warmth and melts everything around it. Mm. But it's a white trap really seems to help. I mean, it's not the end all. A lot of it is going to be like this time of year. People are really going to get out there. You're going to work in the shadows. You want to work where the sun isn't hitting. If you can get canopy over you, that's even better. You know, well, your coyotes don't tend to be out in the open fields anyhow. This, well, if you got deep snow, there's nothing there for them to eat. Like where I live, I'm going to be into the timber more, the swamps, marshes, the frozen creek travelways. Them are just killer snow setting. So, like, when, when I was taking instruction from O'Gorman, what he told me, if I ever got in deep snow again, I cat trap coyotes in the winter in deep snow. Is That's kind of what you're saying, isn't it? Exactly. And, the, you know, there's another aspect to that, too. When you got a lot of snow and your cold weather, the, the unique thing about a coyote is his eyes, his ears, and his nose 
in my experience, he can use any one of them to hunt with. And he'll rely a lot on his eyes in the winter. I do some, you know, Slim Peterson, his book, he wrote some about working. You don't see many guys talk about working with a coyote's eyes. And he would hang a bag to stop him on the trail. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole aspect, like a cat trapper with your experience. My, my experience with cats is nil because all I do is catch and release them. But you can work a coyote with them same senses. Now, I was talking about them cattail heads. I don't you, you We've all seen cattail heads. Yeah, yeah. If you, when them are dry and you lose that powder, that, that it's like a fluff. It almost looks like feathers. I use that a lot for blending my sets. If I'm gonna dig, if I'm gonna actually dig down in the snow and go into the dirt, that wax sand, you just you can't blend that set. And they'll dig you out because you got froze ground all the way around that trap, and then you got that nice soft sand where it's repelling water and it won't freeze. Well, you get a lot of issues with them digging out on them. So what I'll do is I'll take like a cattail head and I'll just peel the the fuzz off it, and you can and you one head looks like someone shook a deer hide out of hair there and it'll just and the coyotes don't mind walking and i can give them a bigger pattern they start walking in it well it blends everything in and it's already soft under their foot on that hard ground and and i think there's a sense of eye appeal to it to myself from a distance because it looks like hair laying out there mm-hmm. i could see that and you can and you can actually use that under your traps too see when we were talking about doing this I think back to when I didn't have lax sand, and I start thinking about it, and I, I tend to do it, you know, you've seen some of the videos where all I got in my hand is a, a snippers, and I go make a set, you know, there's, that's how we started when we were young, we didn't have, everyone's so high tech now, but you go back to it, and it's really efficient, it's lazy, but it's really efficient, you can just put that grass under that trap, and now we're all beating our head to trap rock get that trap rock solid sometimes you just can't <laughs> you know it's are you it's use, a numbers game are you using long springs to compensate for that or are you still using cold springs i i use a lot of long springs in the winter i when we get in like we're gonna be all over because my mind when you start talking snow trapping i'm seeing like 50 60 different scenarios just rolling like a slot machine through my head so <laughs> but uh when we get out in the when they're <laughs> like if you're watching the weather and they're falling for four inches of snow and you're not sitting there doing anything right now in the back of my truck i keep a dozen long springs with drags at least a dozen all the time in the back of my truck when i see that snow and i'm sitting there not doing anything and it's going to start snowing I'm just driving, hitting the coyote trails that I know they're going to work from food source to food source, and I'm just throwing a long spring out there. Let Mother Nature cover it. So you're that putting you're putting it coyote. in you're putting it in, not covered, and then you're just letting the snow fall on it. Yep. And another another way you can do that too is using a pipe like your pipe set and push that pipe into the snow if you want to use a baited set. This is one time a year I don't rely hard on bait, otherwise I'm a bait guy. But we'll push that pipe in the snow, throw some bait in there, and throw that trap in front of it, and just walk away. And you know, that set, eventually the weather will change and freeze down on you. But if you can, you can set two dozen of them so fast. 
that if you get four or five good days, you're going to have a few coyotes. So you're, you're talking kind of like a zagger set, but without worrying about how he beds it. True? Yep. Just go to long spring in front and don't even put the pipe in the ground. If the snow is deep enough, just shove it in the snow almost more horizontal. Okay. So he, okay. Uh, when you set, the only thing is the more horizontal you get, the farther your trap has to go back from the attractor. Because that coyote's putting his head down and stretching it. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you get it up higher, the higher you can get in horizontal, the closer the split will be. I like if I get a lot of snow, like say a plowed road, and I can get a three foot snow bank. I'll put that attractor at like twenty inches and stick it back there, because then I know I can get tight to the bank, and the road traffic isn't going to bother me. Like if it's just a property where they plow the road or something. They're not going to bother me driving through. They're not going to hit my set. So I can cheat that pipe up higher and get that coyote's foot further ahead. Okay. The lower you go, the farther back you'll be. Almost like a rub set. Because I like to do some rub sets, too, if I can. In the snow. I like the coyote rub set. Yep. And on bigger banks, if you got some nice, something nice and stinky. Everyone criticizes a rolling lure. I'm keeping that in my head. If I see someone on Facebook really complaining about getting rolled on by from a lure rolling on, I'm like, boy, I'm gonna have to get some of that because I need that this winter. <laughs> For one, you can get it up in the air out of the snow. Right. Well, because what, he wants the. Sm- what have you found that works good for that? Well, <laughs> I use a lot of some pretty rank stuff. I use some pretty rank beaver livers. Okay. They seem to like their beaver beaver tail oil, a good mixed in. Now I'm not using that as a bait because through time my mind has changed about baits in the winter. I they eat a lot of fresh stuff, so don't be afraid to use a fresh bait in the winter. Has a different thought, but <laughs> like if you get something, you you probably know in your area what a coyote likes to roll with mm-hmm. or smell like. Anything, like here, I, I, the reason I use the livers or something that I can really rot down and get it real creamy, something you can stick to a wall and make it stick there, you know? And I'll do that on popple saplings, too, on the corner of a road. I'll just smear it there. Maybe I have gland lure down below it. But if he wants to get his shoulder up on there and rub on it, or his neck, you know how they like to get their neck on it, you, you, that's an easy trap. And I'll tell you, I, that's... It's not a high production set, but it really catches the coyotes that give you issues. It seems like when you get their head up in the air, they forget about the feet a little bit. Yeah, well, um, they're not looking. What I'm thinking when you're saying that is like catfish oil. It kind of smells like shit, like literally shit. Good catfish oil does, and they love to roll in it, and you can smear it on anything. That would probably be a great set. Now, people listening to this go run out and do it, and they're like, well, that didn't work. Well, do it again. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to go out there. There's too many people that are will- they're just not willing to, to try stuff. And that's winter trapping is the time to be a kid. You know, you can get out and have some fun. You can do some screwy sets like that. Myself, I don't want to put a lot of dirt holes of eight inches of frost. Because <laughs> that's just a lot of work. It's not so bad now because I have a nice wife and kids that bought me a inch and an eighth rotary hammer. 
Milwaukee rotary hammer. Okay. And I have a I have a chisel bit on it, so now I just pull up and I chisel it. Just like you're chiseling concrete out if I'm down on the hard ground. You can pull up, you can lay your trap out if you want, but I, I know my trap. set them so many times. You chisel a perfect hole for a trap and set it right down in there. Then I switch over and I put a 16-inch mason bit on if I'm going to anchor. I drill, pre-drill my anchor. And then I have a, I run the chisel, the mason bit, and then I just had a Wolfgang stake driver made with an SDS adapter that goes right in my rotary hammer. So then after I pre-drill that hole, I just stick the end on, put the drill on hammer, it drives the stake right in. That's pretty slick. But, yeah, you don't, it's, you could drive it faster with a hammer, and but you can't drive it as many times with a hammer. Right. And having that driver, I don't even carry a hammer then. I don't even have a trapping hammer with me. It's all done by the drill or rotary hammer. Well, do you have that like is, extra batteries in your truck? Yeah, I have. Between work and my own stuff, I probably have eight, ten <laughs> batteries around here. But you will, you get about, oh, depends. If you're starting like last week and I was, we were in a, well, I looked for a canopy and I got, because I know we have snow coming, I got into a heavy canopy and there isn't as much frost there, but I started putting more of a, I call it a puppy dig, a small trench set in, but I have to avoid the deer. That's the only reason I work that hard is because always deer are going to be firing my traps in there steady. I had to get the trap down into a trench. But, yeah, it's snow is endless. People just, it's so easy to go out and learn. That's the thing. I, people complain about it, but it's like you can do some sets with no effort. And... What do you got to lose? So it freezes down by the end of the week. Well, if you caught, you know, I'm a working man trapper. If I could catch six, ten coyotes by the end of that week and I just threw out some long springs, that's a good week for me. Right. You know, just just checking after work, the fast stuff. That's that's a different world, us guys that are working all the time. We, we got to figure out, I don't know how to say that. You got to figure out the effective system. You know, you, you can't be what you guys do when back when you were really grinding. We have to learn that, but do it at a smaller scale. I follow you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, we have to take a portion of what Clint does that's fast, and we have to learn that method of, and apply it to us. But then I have to learn what Jeff Dunlap's doing or Matt Jones doing. And see and pick out the easy stuff that I can apply to my life for the two hours before work or two hours after work. I got to check traps. I mean, right now Lily's getting old enough; it's kind of changing. Noel and Lily's been checking a lot of traps for me. I get up at two thirty in the morning, and I don't get home till five. So, <laughs> is she driving? She's no, not yet. She's next next fall. Oh my gosh, that's making me feel old. Yeah, yeah. She's actually in the shower. I, I don't. Even, I told her I could pick on her tonight because I got a headset on. She can't hear what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she struggles in the winter, and that's been her hardest battle, really. And I did too. When, but I enjoyed the struggle because it was something different. I grew up trapping with my dad and learned a lot of things, but the snow trapping kind of got to be my own adventure. Mm -hmm. 
and I the thing that's neat is if you go like on Trapping History and Heritage page, that's an awesome page. And there's just start looking at these old trappers that trapped in the winter because they trapped all winter. Yeah, they did. Their methods, their methods work. Everyone wants to say, "Well, you can't do that." No, well, why not? It worked for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was probably tougher trapping. You know, when you see me, we'll get into some snow sets, but just shake snow over a trap and walk away. Uh, Herb Lennon, he was he would sneak up to a set if, if I'm getting this right. I think it was Herb Lennon. I read so much of it, I get it mixed up. But he would come in like if you were sitting in front of a tree, he would come from the backside and shake snow over the set so he didn't leave cracks around his set. There's it. There's some truth to what he was doing there because I don't like to track up. If I get into a set, like you say, when it's snowing, I love to go out and set before it's snow because everything I did is covered up. Now, do you think that coyotes can register human footprints in the snow and back away from it? I don't know if they register our footprints. I, I really don't know what is going through their head there, but they do shy off it at times. They do, okay. But that's more with baited sets and stuff, you know, like I like to run a lot of grab and dies in that. Now that don't seem so bad. But once you're starting to push them in to work something, it, it, it seems it, you're better off to be, to shovel out a wide pattern so it's clear six, ten feet on each side of your set than it is to bottleneck them down into a bunch of tracked up snow in that. It just seems my success rate is higher when I clear it out. Now, our coyotes tend to be more timid up north than maybe a southern coyote will. Lower population, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't trapped all over the country, but from what I see, and when well, we talk to a lot of people, we hang out and talk, and it's like, man, you ain't going to get away with that by us. And I don't say it from not doing it. I see it from doing it and journaling it, and it's like, well, the sets I'm cleaning up are catching five to one, right. or the one I'm messing all up. So my my mind is like, I can only run so many sets, so I need them effective. So now when it comes to throwing them, throwing double long springs in a trail before a snowstorm, there's nothing pretty about that. That's where I switch my system to just numbers and just throwing them out there. You, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you got to be versatile. So you're, so it, I mean, if I understand what I've seen you do, when you know the snow's coming, you've got coyote trails, you put them in the trail and just walk away. Just walk away. You know, but then, like you see, you get all over the place because in the next breath we're talking, okay, we got a dirt hole out there and there's snow and I'm cleaning the snow out around it. Them are, you're going to have a percentage of them sets that you're going to check and maintain, but you need a percentage of them throw them in the ground and walk away sets too. They have enough to catch enough coyotes in your two to three hours right. that you have. Right. And now in real deep snow, I, I'll switch right around and I'll track them a trail to a baited set, but I'll shuffle my feet together and just bulldoze the snow to make a trail. And long as it goes past my set, I don't dead end it at my set and just keep going past it. 
you'll get coyotes to walk it. That's not an issue. It just seems like the issue becomes open, an opening, and you got me and Lily and Noel all walked around a set, and there's tracks all over, bucket imprints. Then it gets tough. They just seem to shy away from it more. And this time here, they, there isn't a lot of dumb ones left to start with. So, <laughs> you know, you're, you've, the cream of the crop's been had. Right. So you got to get creative. So, you know, that's kind of like trapping them in spring. Everyone says, oh, that's easy when you're doing predator work. It's like, ah, <laughs> everything that's dumb is gone right now. <laughs> so if I understand what you said earlier, if you've got a lower impact of visual, like a grab and die stick, then the human disturbance doesn't seem to mind as much. But the bigger, like a dirt hole, you, you have problems. Yep. Yep. And that grab and die stick, and I've been leaning on them harder and harder all year long because I'm learning that, well, I always say that coyote's a thief. He won't break in your house, but he'll grab that $100 bill off the porch when he walks by. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's just his method. And when sometimes you get them coyotes, and we do, well, Lily's a big dirt hole girl, so we're setting together. I'm running a lot of grab and dies, and you'll see my catch rates going up as, as we cream out the easy ones. They're just walking by, grabbing them, grabbing dies. It's harder for them to resist because there's no, they're not curious about it. It's right there. They see it. They're either going to hit it or they're not. Mm -hmm. I bet that and drives her I, crazy. Oh, it does. It drives her insane. <laughs> <laughs> but she got to laugh at me last night. I missed the coyote on a grab and die twice. Two sets. <laughs> I'll admit it. I'm so careless with a grab and die. I don't block them down because that's my whole point. I don't want to push them into any situation. And I'm actually going in winter to more of your method to two traps on them mm -hmm. because I have to. I'll, I'll take a grab and die and stick in the middle of a plowed turnaround and put one trap in front of it. Well, two traps gives me better odds. And <laughs> you got to be willing to miss a couple doing that, but they. I see them grabbing die sticks grab where they're walking by dirt holes. So I always figure, well, if I can leave it undisturbed and just let them grab it and go, I have a better chance than if he's just walking by and paying no interest to it. Well, what where do you find in the wolves that you're catching? Are are they more dirt hole or grabbing die stick? Everything. Uh, the wolves here, we have to release them. They have no pressure from man to speak of. I mean, yeah, there's probably some, but they're so bold. They'll, that one you just seen that picture of, that was in a hay set, and that's another thing we have to talk about, but that was in a hay set with a, a double lung with gland lure on the back of the set, being breeding season, a lot of, or even when it's not breeding season. They'll circle in hay sets, because the hay set's more of a fox set in my book, but it does catch coyotes. Where you get the coyotes is when they circle that set, and they go to mark the back of it, and I take that hay and put it at a point because I like I'm big on focal point. I like to tighten up my my visual. I like it as tight as I can because it's narrowing down where my trap needs to go. But you'll catch them coyotes or them wolves on the back. Well, that, that one had a trap on each foot because he got into both of them. But yeah, they hay setting is a whole other thing. Uh, wolves. Grabbing dies, rocks at Lily's. I just had a video on my Facebook, me and Lily. Lily likes big rocks when you're trapping in the winter. She's actually finding loose rocks and rolling them out to her spots. 
it's a big visual. <laughs> and it really makes her mad when you got a little bitty paintbrush with you with foam on it. You stick it in the ground and catch the coyote. <laughs> After she rolls the big rock over there. <laughs> but the rock is a great set, and it's easy because it don't move. And she's got the right theory that with the snow blowing, when she's using it on the edge of an opening, the snow will drift around that rock and it'll leave her set with less snow on it. It'll just blend it perfect, because you, you, you know, snow will drift and come back around. Right, right. Well, you just let Mother Nature make your guides doing that. And for her, that's effective, and that one video I was picking on her, she said, well, we're not all as good at trap placement as you, and that had to kill her to admit it. <laughs> so, I bet it did. <laughs> yeah, and I think after she said it, she was like, oh crap, I'm on video. <laughs> But, no, there is, and that's another thing to snow trapping is thinking how that snow is going to drift. And if you can create it to drift around a set, well, you're keeping it. It's perfect because when they see it as a visual, then it looks like an indentation in the snow, and you have them guided right in. Mm-hmm. And it's all natural. I mean, you can't get better blending than that. I just am not like her pushing a 100-pound rock around. <laughs> well, that's because you're older and smarter. Yeah, the only thing is I found with getting smarter is your belly gets bigger. That's true. I was a lot thinner when <laughs> I was a lot thinner when I had to work to catch it. I mean, if I think you're swinging an axe. Yeah, that? I mean, if I was if I if I look back at how I trapped coyotes 25 years ago, I spent so much energy I would never spend today. Isn't that crazy? It is. I was just telling a good friend of mine, I said, you know, we started out as kids screwing around with traps, and then we got really deep into coyotes, and we learned a lot of stuff. But a lot of the stuff I'm learning pushed me back to being a kid. Exactly. It's just crazy. You think, boy, I really figured it out. And then pretty soon the path you're following, figuring this all out, is bringing you back to where you started. Exactly. That, that that's exactly <laughs> what I'm, I'm. I found out in my own life. I mean, you start off like a kid, you get complicated, you end up like a kid. Uh, it sure seems like it. The only nice thing is going back now is I have a lot nicer gear, <laughs> and I have a little more knowledge of where he's going to put that foot. <laughs> and that's what I thought tonight when we had talked earlier about doing doing this interview it's like not everybody's going to have a $500 rotary hammer in their trapping basket no so we should you know that's when you're getting you're either well it's it's a toy <laughs> you have a good wife or the first day good one of the two they will put more sets in the ground at the end of the day but uh you got to think basic in the snow and be a kid like you say cattail tops grass bedding you're going to miss some but <laughs> You're going to learn from every miss. Pay attention to the type of snow, the weather, <laughs> and you'll it just over time you'll get a, you'll get the hang of it. You know, like Lily runs. Uh, she used to lead. I'm watching her progression in life. She leaned hard on cable restraints, but we can't have entanglement or nothing. And I'm not a big cable restraint guy because when I have a pinch point that tight, I would rather take a nice double long spring and a drag, throw it in there, let it snow on it, and catch every coyote that comes through there instead of pinning it down with a cable restraint wrecking my pinch point. I, I totally agree with you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean that's I, the difference of down here is we don't have the snow and we have all kind of cover, so we don't really worry about that. Right. Yeah, and you know, them pinch points, as far as guys like me that aren't traveling state to state to trap, them are yearly spots to go back to. You hate the record. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing we do do with the, if the situation's right with a cable restraint in the snow, is that tight pinch point, if it's open, say, 20 feet ahead of it, I have a bunch of 8-inch cable made up, and they have wolf fangs on each end with a Hags slider lock on them. And I'll actually put in the cable restraint. Well, Lily does. I don't hang many. I, I stick to my footholds. There's just something about a coyote that double long in the winter I like. But <laughs> she'll hang that cable restraint, and she'll have a slide wire set up, just like your grounding rigs. It's pretty much the basic same thought. And that Hags uh, lock, slide drowning lock, works really good because it's a heavy-duty lock. And you put that cable restraint on that slider, and you can slide them out of that set. And you can control where he's going and keep him out of entanglement for legal issues. And then when you get that catch, you just unhook that cable restraint, throw a new one on, slide the lock back, and go right back at it again and keep that spot. Keep. When I pick on Lily for using cable restraints, when she hangs one, I said I'd rather kill five coyotes than just one. I'll use my trap. Let me guess. She puts her hands on her hips and gives you an eye roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's about it. Or some other kindly words. <laughs> <laughs> she don't cuss yet. She's not old enough for that, but she can come real close. You know what she's saying, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I actually thought she was going to swear last night when she seen that wolf because she was on her phone texting her mom, and I had seen it. I pulled up by it, and I was waiting for her to see it. All of a sudden, she jumped up. She's like, "Oh, wolf!" <laughs> but before the old was, there was something else going to come out of her mouth. <laughs> but yeah, it's. That slider with that Hanks, that's, I see a lot of people in my state especially, and I see catches and it's like, boy, if you guys rigged up 20 of them, you could save them spots to catch a few more coyotes there. Well, when Haggerty was in Arkansas with us last year, he used them on otter, and if they work on otter, they're definitely going to work on coyotes. I, you know, that's, I used to run them through my, but before I, well, that's another, drags are expensive, we all know that, by the time you get set up, it's a, it's, you, you build stuff over time, but before I had them, like, my dad would run sliders to hike for, so I had a background in them, so that's where the theory of running the cable restraint came from, was I'm not hiding per actually, I'm bringing it out, and before I had, like, a good hangs lock, I would just run the cable through a bunch of swivels. I just run it through the hole of the swivel, you know, so it would pull just like a drowning more rotten mm -hmm. lock. And that works too, but the Hague system's so much better with the cable restraint because you just snap a new cable on and slide it back and you're right back in business again. Can I get you to and do really ain't wrecking all my thoughts. Yeah, can I get you to talk about the hay set? I need to step out of the truck and I just need to step out of the truck for a second. Can you talk about the hay set? Sure, no problem. Okay. Well, there's everybody's got a variation to a hay set. I I I usually it's generally for me. 
I don't use hay. It's just called a hay set. Hay is bad because you'll have, for me, because deer will come eat it on you right away if it's sticking out in the snow. A lot of times what I prefer is any native grass you see sticking out of the snow. Like the one Lily caught on last night was actually a ball of weeds that was out in the field. You know the deer aren't going to eat that. So they'll go, we'll go and get a bunch of that about a basketball size, I would say, to start with. And we'll set that into the snow, put a little snow on top of it so it don't blow all over on you. And then we'll just poke a hole down in it. Here again, that pipe, any, uh, boy, scent eggs, pipes. I use a foam paintbrush for a lot of what I do because I can dip it in bait and just stick it in the hay. Any, anything to hold your lure is better than just throwing it into the, into the hay. But after you have that basketball size piece of hay or block of hay, needs, whatever you would call it, whatever you have available, you'll put out in front of it and you'll run that hay, straw grass, you'll run it out and put a trap down below it. And what I'll do when I'm covering now, we're talking just like grass bedding, a trap. I'll put wire screen as your friend for that set, like a wire screen pan cover, and I'll cut the hay real fine over the top of the trap so it doesn't plug up the jaws. And then I, I carry a bottle of, it's the only time you'll see me use glycol in the winter, of a glycol water mix, usually it's 60-40. You could probably use a lot of other things, I just have glycol on hand. But I'll, I'll mix up a bottle, a spray bottle of that, and all that fine hay I have over the set, I'll spray that with the grass, with the glycol mix. That'll prevent it from freezing. And if it's really good bone dry stuff, it'll be, if it rains, it'll actually repel water a little bit with that glycol on there, it won't. Otherwise, what you'll get is if you get wet, tacky snow over the top, you'll it'll make like frozen clumps and it'll actually plug trap jaws. But if you spray some glycol over there, it'll really help you out. Now, if you visualize that set, you have a ball you have your tractor in there, your trap all in front of it. The back side of that ball, I'm gonna squish down so it looks like a teardrop. On that back point, and this is where I'll use double longs again in the snow if I can, that's my favorite way to set them, is I'll put gland lure this time of year, especially, or urine on the back of that teardrop on the point. I'll put the gland lure or urine right up under there and spray it with urine. And I'll have a, a trap out in front of that, just like you would on a scent post. Because what'll happen, you'll catch fox a lot in hay, and you will catch coyotes in the hay, but you'll get a lot of circling, from my experience with the coyotes I'm trapping. When they circle that, they will mark that backside. And a lot of times, especially if you keep that trap on a drag, I really like that back trap on a drag if I can, because a lot of times you'll, you'll catch them and he'll get out of there and you have an active set still working, which is really nice. You anchor it down, you're gonna have an animal with two traps on their feet, but sometimes in snow, that's not a bad thing either. Now, a lot of guys, like when they're trapping fox, they'll spread the hay out, they'll put two, three, sometimes four traps I've seen done, and they'll just cover it flat, and they'll put the attractor in the middle and let them walk into that hay and catch them. Everybody's got a different variation in there. Again, if you play with hay setting, you're gonna come up with your own method. You're gonna 
see it react, and that's the beautiful thing about snow is it shows you how they're reacting to it. It's a good eye attractor. It, they'll come in, they can see that, an opening in the woods or out in the field, I'm not big on, I don't do a lot of field trapping usually because the coyotes, the snow is too deep, they're not out there. This year we we're only dealing with up to a foot of snow, so they're out there somewhat yet. They're not down on the frozen creeks. And that's another spot. The frozen creeks are, say, 10-foot-wide creeks going through marshes. That's another spot when you hit them openings, you can use uh, cattails. By us, we'll generally have marsh grass or cattails. You can make a nice little hay set out on them. And then remember, you can use them cattail heads to cover and blend your sets in. You can go right over the top of your whole set with the cattail heads and the fluff. And you can use that fluff below a trap. No, we don't all have wax sand and everything ready. And if you're in a pinch, you peel out a bunch of them cattail tufts and you put that underneath your levers is big. You gotta get it under there. Now your trap's not gonna bed solid. We'll talk about bedding a trap solid, but you're not going to lose a solid frozen in the ground trap don't catch a coyote if he catches you know if you miss him well you miss him but more times than not if you guide him right he'll step on that pan and it's fine you know we we always as coyote trappers sometimes you get in the snow when I'm trapping in the snow I do not pack sets especially when you're trapping pure snow sets, coyotes are running through light and fluffy stuff. There's sticks under there they don't see. It's fine to, if you pack that snow over that trap, it's going to freeze faster. Dude. Now, if you, when you're touching, oh, you're back. Yeah, I, I've been, I've been, I've just been listening and learning, man. <laughs> yeah. Do you not have What's to worry question? about the cattails like you do peat moss clogging up the jaws? you do but that goes back if you don't have another option it's a good solid option or you can carry that glycol with you the water mix and spray that and it'll keep it soft and semi-antifreeze like I do with my grass bedding it'll take some pretty good weather so you're spraying the glycol but, on the grass itself yes whenever like that. when you're using when you're using pine duff or any of that it's the only time and I've always been against glycol and dirt and that, but I'm open-minded enough to try it in different situations. But over a nice grass bed in this kind of weather, especially a lot of times when we're having freezing rain, I go solid to just grass bedding with glycol covers, coverings, you know, the grass so it keeps it working. Because hmm. you've, you've had that where it fires and it's in the trap jaws and you have frozen clumps. And yeah, yeah. That's yeah, if you spray that with glycol, it'll stop a lot of that. Now, in extreme cold, it'll work in colder weather than it will work in dirt. Because glycol, when you start getting around zero, I'm not even sure of the specific temperature, but I know around zero, it's not helping you much. But on grass, it still works pretty good. Well, that's good to know. I've, I've never tried that. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's just, there again, it's, you're not putting much effort in, you know, and another thing, like, even if you're chilling into the ground, I, like, put my flake antifreeze down if I'm doing a grass set in the snow, 
and this all evolves into the hay set, which the hay set, I hate to chisel into the ground. I really don't. But if I have to, I chisel down, I'll lay that grass, and I'll put my flake antifreeze, or you don't even really need that flake. I just always have it with me. I'll put that down, I'll put the grass down, I'll spray that with glycol, put my trap on top, put my wire screen, and that's when I use wire screen. Usually I try to avoid pan covers, but I like them for grass bedding. I'll put my wire screen in, cut my grass fine over the top, and then spray it with glycol water mix, and you're good to go. You could take some pretty bad weather like that. Hmm. Now, everyone's gotta remember though, any method you use, whether it be wax and grass, cattail heads, it's unlimited. I mean, insulation under a trap, you will get a certain percentage of refusals from it. But if a trap's frozen in the ground, it don't matter if a hundred coyotes work it, you're never going to catch them. Right, exactly. So you have to, you, you have to learn to snow trap, and you're going to have some refusals to what you're doing. It's uh, pretty much all trapping. <laughs> We're not going to get them all. Well, Otherwise, our forefathers wouldn't have left us anything. Yeah, no, no joke. Well, what I'm gathering from you <laughs> is you're not doing the Tom Miranda thing where you're trying to make fall dirt sets in the snow and make them work. No, not at all. I do have some in the ground. And like on the weekends when I have time and I it's usually from knowing coyote habit i'm putting them in where i know they're going they're going to end up feeding where there's game i have a theory and it's right or wrong that there's coyote travel routes are meant for trail setting and when you're in the feeding areas it's meant for feeding sets a lot of times you're seeing guys getting dirt holes especially now with mating season blowing by and <laughs> they're just in the wrong spot right they're, the coyotes, they're just cruising through. Whether I'm right on that, I haven't trapped long enough to prove it to myself, but you know how us trappers get. You get a theory in your head. And you try to stay open-minded, but the numbers start showing you that hmm, we got to go to something like a grab-and-die where they're going through. Well, I mean, it only but, makes yeah. sense if, if, if someone's thinking, like, if, if you're walking to the restaurant you're probably not going to stop very much till you get at the restaurant. I mean, that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. And the coyote, I mean, a lot of those spots, see, we don't trap with a lot of sign until we have snow. And then everyone, we can ride around for a long time. I got to trap location more than I trap sign. You very seldom will see a spot where you have coyotes going in two directions. Like, it's usually one direction. If you see a coyote track going in each direction in a tight spot, you should be able to kill that coyote. Absolutely. But, but see here, all of a sudden we get snow and it's like, oh, we see some signs. <laughs> well, then we right away we're out there putting dirt holes in on that sign and we're not looking around that, well, that coyote's just running through here. That house can see him. That farmer probably shot at him three times going through here. <laughs> he isn't going to stop there. He's just going to blow on by. Right. You got to find where, where he's leading to his food source. And the closer he gets, like you to the restaurant, the hungrier he's going to get, or his mind's going to be more focused on food. Well, that makes perfect and he'll sense. And he'll be at ease. Yeah, and that's you know you guys making bait and lure, you see it a lot. Oh, they're the bait's no good, and this and that. It's like 
that might be the case sometimes, but I think a lot of times if we were open-minded instead of trying to blame someone for our failure, if we just stopped and looked around in a circle and really thought for a little bit, it's like, that guy doesn't want to stop here. You're close to a main highway. I've seen it and I've had it myself. I can catch them on grabbing dies. I can catch them on flats a little bit more post style where they're going to mark it quick. But a big blowing out dirt hole or something like I like to plug dirt hole a lot and make them work it. That's not a real high productive set by a high traffic area where cars are going by steady. They just don't like to stop. No, I mean, I see the same thing just in the difference between going from heavy woods to a field. That coyote does not want to stop on the edge where most trappers want to put the trap because they can't really see if something's in the field and they can't see if anything's in the wood woods and it's, they're just uncomfortable. When he hits that opening, he's on high alert for danger. Yeah. And, you want, you, and he's going to give you issues at a set a lot more if you're right there where he's on high alert for danger already and his brain's ticking like that. Then he looks down at that dirt hole and he's looking out there. If he does work it, he's working it with a lot of caution and his head bouncing everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you get old, like you're saying, you get old. If he enters the field already, now he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like from, could, to me, it's like 30 yards out in the field or 30 yards in the woods. But on the edge, that's a bad place to put a coyote trap. Yeah, and, you know, and sometimes we're forced to. But then we have to be open-minded. And in the snow, well, we have their trail. So maybe we should be thinking of trail setting then mm -hmm. more than... And that's, you know, instead of yelling at the bait maker or the lure maker or whatever yourself, if you're making your own, <laughs> it might not be their fault. <laughs> you might want to look around and say, well, maybe I should just trail set this or a nice bone set or grab and die, whatever you prefer that you're comfortable with there where you can just grab it. So I'm kind, uh, I'm kind of getting the impression though, Dave, that you probably blind set in trails more than anything else. Am I gathering that right? When the weather's right. Now this year I've done very little blind setting and it kills me because I like to do it, but I don't have the right weather and our coyotes without much snow and everything being frozen, there's no pattern to how they run. Okay. They're running on a concrete slab right now. There's no foliage. All your deciduous trees, the leaves are gone. So it's just a white, and that's why they're hunting with their eyes a lot right now. They can see everything's white. They got good silhouettes on the snow, and they're willy-nilly. You can't pinpoint them down. Usually this time here, you hit them frozen creeks with less snow where you can snow set. Then I'm blind setting a lot. <laughs> Uh, any like you would trap a muskrat like on a frozen creek where you get a point coming out so like a clump of brush or a mound of dirt whatever the little sharp points mm -hmm. them are great because you watch a coyote he loves points and he'll run in the snow you can just throw before snow comes you go throw a bunch of double logs down a creek right at them points well that's you can almost blind settle well, I, I get no effort. Yeah, I get tickled at Jeff. He doesn't. He gets excited about coyote trapping when the creeks freeze and he can set between the brush, where it, it, it oh, narrows down. Awesome. Yeah, that that's when he gets excited. That's <laughs> it. Just it's there's something about it too that's nostalgic to me. It's just that coyote in the double long in the snow. It's uh, it, I, it's just something in me that I like it. There's there's a piece of our history there, I mm -hmm. guess. 
it it kind of makes my blood boil. It's just not as not something you see a lot of guys doing because in today's world of instant success, they're not willing to go out and learn the different types of snow. Now, if we get crusty snow coming into February, you're going to get crust on top. Everyone will complain about their traps crusted over. But it's not really a bad thing. You might have, you might have missed a coyote while it crusted, but you can slide a trap under crust too and just scrape some of that crust out. So it's almost like a pitfall when his foot hits that crust and falls right on the pan of your trap. That makes and that's sense. A nice roof over. Yeah, it's a nice roof over your trap. It's pretty well protected. It's you have to be open minded. So you're you're not you're not wrapping the traps in bags and stuff. Not typically. I have I have done a lot of it actually with six fifties and uh, Sterling's with uh, Ziploc bags. I went through that theory in my life too. It works. It, I should maybe do more of it, but I've just found other methods that are less take less effort. Right, right. I just moved away from it. And it, it's not a, that it's a bag. If you have six traps, you go wrap them in bags and make some dirt holes. Another thing I'll say, if, what you, if you're dealing with frozen ground and you're putting in dirt holes, now you're going to kill me for saying this, but don't make that hole so deep. Six-inch <laughs> hole is fine because it's... <laughs> <laughs> I know it's against everything Clint teaches on the dirt wall. <laughs> but I, I don't trap in your type environment either, though. Right. You see, they go buy a lot of chipmunk spools that are from last year that have eight inches of frost. And I, I, I don't want to give them too much of a human mind, but I think from trials in their younger life trying to get food, they realize they can't dig that hole out. And if it's too deep and the bait's at the bottom, they know they can't get to it. Mm-hmm. I can see that in frozen they, ground. Yeah, I think you know you don't want to make you don't want to put your human mind into an animal, but I think through his life he's tried it, and he can't. When it's rock hard, he knows he can't get it, and he's more apt to pass that setup. Now, if you tease him with it at about six inches down, he's still got to work for it. Now, if you're going to put that hole six inches down, use a bait. But, you know, guys in the winter, too, that's another good thing to learn, is don't throw a golf ball size of bait down the bottom of the hole. You're further off to take your butter knife. I use a paint sticks from Menards. They look, they look like big tongue depressors. They're not even, I break them in half. And I take that bait and I smear it around that frozen ground on the hole. It seems like you get better smell out that way for one. And two is, you can tease him with it. He's going to lick on it. He gets a little bit to lick on when he's going into the hole, and it'll edge him into it a little better. Well, you're not making you're not making like six or eight inch dirt holes either. I'm sure in the frozen ground. Well, I can now that I have a rotary hammer. Well, okay. <laughs> but no, before I usually don't. What I'll do a lot of is uh, even with the rotary hammer now and a chisel. I used to use a Maddox before or a railroad axe, that'll work. And you'll make like a small puppy dig if you want to dig up dirt in the frozen ground. And you know how you get that V, like a lot of guys will dig on their puppy dig set? Mm -hmm. I'll just smear the lure on that V. Instead of making the hole, I'll, or the bait, I'll smear it on at the back of that V on both sides. And if I can, I'll stick the lure down below on the bottom of that hole, on like a Q-tip or sheep's hole if you want, but I can't. 
I think I can, but I don't play around with too much sight exposed hair or anything by us. I think sheeps will we legally can, but we can't use feathers and stuff. Just make sure it ain't sight exposed in Wisconsin. But yeah, if you just take a Q-tip, put it at the bottom, and you got that bait smeared on that frozen ground, he'll step down and lick on it. Well, I think, I think that's the difference is where I normally trap, they can dig a five-gallon bucket in 20 minutes, and they can't do that right. where at. You know what's beautiful about frozen ground is catch circles. They're easy to clean up. <laughs> there isn't no muddy best. They're nice, clean coyotes usually. You get a little dirt when they, they work it up and it's soft. But, yeah, you can just scrape that back up and... You don't want to go and pack that snow over your trap, of course, but no, when you got a catch circle, you can, that's where I call run that puppy dig or whatever in, just smear some bait on it. So how do, how, do, how do you do your remakes, Dave, if you if you got something staked in the snow? Because it's obvious, gonna, it's going to be obvious. And see, that's where we're going to have, like we talked earlier about setting up where I have hay with me or dry grass. A lot of times that's where a hay set will come into effect. You know, I could just set that out there in the circle. Uh, grab and die is another nice one. But I'll have my wax and the wax bed with. I'll spread out some cattail fluff even in that. Anything, if you could use feathers, it would probably be a heck of a time to use feathers, but I have a feeling birds would give you nightmares in the snow. I can't use them. Okay. I actually, even he, what's funny here this winter with a little bit of snow we've had, Having exposed waxed sand, the ravens and crows will dig you out steady. They come right to it. Hmm. I don't know what they... I If we've been battling that last couple of years, I, with exposed dirt patterns, they want to get into it. Now, if I keep that blended in better, and they'll actually dig out a trap. <laughs> You're blaming a coyote. Look, and there's nothing but bird tracks there, and he actually dug all that sand out of there. He just must pick at it or... They must, they must hunt something if they're rather they're hunting mice. I really don't know much about their life to know what they're doing there. But blending that back in in a catch circle, that, that's where that cattail fluff is nice because you can kind of spread it out over the set, get them walking in it, keep your set blending because it's so standing out if you have wax sand. It's like, <laughs> it's like a neon light that there's a trap there. So why did you go to uh, sand instead of dirt? Why did you go to wax sand over dirt, Dave? Well, for one, there is you use a lot less wax. Okay. But there's a big there's a bigger factor is about a hundred yards where I'm sitting in my first shed right now, there's a great big sand pit. And I have a tractor with a bucket on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can go over there and bucket out and I have a cement mixer and I actually have a pile of sand in my big pole building, my big barn sitting by that isn't waxed yet it's sitting right by a cement mixer that if i run out of wax sand i can make more or i shouldn't say i can louise in charge of that nowadays i just get the dirt to her <laughs> but yeah that's that's my biggest thing i you could argue both ways i run uh usually two pounds of wax to five gallons of sand okay so with dirt, I'm almost going to have to double that. Okay. This, this, because there's so much organic material in yeah. dirt. And sand is just small rock, really. Mm -hmm. You know, it don't absorb it, it just coats it. 
Oh, it's my life. It's convenient, so that's what I use. I know guys go to Menards and buy sandbox sand. Some say it works good. Some say it doesn't work good. I've never used it, so I don't have a dog in the fight. Never tried it. Well, I've used a lot of that sandbox sand with peat moss and buckwheat holes, but I've never waxed it. Yeah, you know, I've I used before I got as I evolved, I used peat moss. Found it needed to be sifted here and dried really good. I never went back to peat moss with using glycol. And I never tried it because I went to other methods with the wax sand and that for our situation. Right. I'm not I'm curious how it would work. Well, I've used a lot of glycol, but I mean, our, I mean, we get down to twenty-five or even five five degrees, but it's it's only for us. You're you're talking maybe two three days. I mean, okay. if, what's your temperature today? Twenty-five. Mine was thirty-two today. It's crazy, but uh, Saturday Sunday is supposed to be fourteen below. Yeah, see, I mean, uh, we're, we're like 29 at night and 43 in the daytime. Oh, yeah, see, we're going to, we're just in an abnormally used, abnormally warm winter. We're, it's crazy here. The wood pile is huge this year. We're hardly burning any firewood. But <laughs> uh, then there again, if you have systems ready to go and to be successful in the winter, a lot of it's done in the summer. Yes, it's I can see. Drying that grass, sifting peat, uh, making wax sand, and then having traps with drags ready. I love them double lawns with a big pan on them. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have your pipes cut for snow. And I mean, it's endless. Grabbing dies. Well, my grabbing dies are already pre made because I use a lot of paint brushes or blue sponges. But that's something you got to learn to get faith in because that looks ridiculous when you sneak the set. So you, your grab and die stick is a paintbrush? Yeah. I <laughs> love that. Paint <laughs> home paintbrushes that wrap. Hell, I've been, I've been wrapping wrap felt around PVC pipe and wood. I like your idea better. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to the blue household sponges, just the ones you get from the store with the felt on the back. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of little zip ties right in the door of my truck. I'll just poke a hole on each side of that blue sponge, grab a stick, zip tie it on there, and that's my grab and die. Oh, I'm glad we did this show because that sounds much easier than what I've been doing. The beautiful thing about foam is if they eat it. If you get there and you can't find that blue foam, when you skin that coyote, Get your foam back. It's in his stomach. Just put it in the bag and go put it right back home. <laughs> and I don't know if even Clint or Jeff or anyone can make a bait that good. I don't know if that stomach content is soaked into that sponge. Boy, that's deadly. Well, I can tell you from a lure maker's point of view, every single coyote was fed from regurgitated food. I think there's an odor there that we can't produce. It's got to come from the stomach it, of the coyote. I, you know, once it hits air, I don't. I know very little about your business. I just laugh. We're talking about paintbrushes, and I see there's a dozen of them sitting in my trapping bag as I walk by. But and then when it exposes to air, if it's lost or something, but when it's sucked into that sponge, 
<laughs> if you don't find your spuds, a lot of times they eat it. I can see go that. Go get it back. It, and just put it in a bag and go reuse it. Well, see, in the South, that'd be a cool thing because you would know you had a miss. Yeah. You know where my idea came from that was I seen, I think you've probably seen it down there where there was this old theory that if you fed a coyote a sponge, he'd die. Mm-hmm. So then guys would soak them in bacon grease. Oh, yeah. I've heard this <laughs> a thousand deal. times. And you walk along and you see coyote scat with blue sponges in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my my head started thinking, well, if they're going to eat it, why don't I use it? <laughs> that's a, that, that's actually genius. Yeah, I, I, I'm digging and, that. I may be using that in Arkansas next week. There's a coon method there that I didn't trap coon much this year that I've caught a few on. But if you get when you cook yourself a pan of bacon, you got the blue sponges there. If you just dump that grease over them, and when you put them out and you put your coon lure on them, whatever, when it rains, that grease is embedded in that sponge. You're always going to have a set working. And that's there's something to be done with coyote there. I haven't really tried a lot of it. I actually used uh, some side pork grease and I caught, but I always have a lure, a grab and die lure, or a bait on there. The only reason I'm putting some hot grease on them is for that real rainy early early fall weather that's raining and washing everything out, that grease don't come out of a sponge. No, no. I learned something from a, a USDA guy that you may be interested in. He used to take, um, you know, the, the rock pavers that are real cheap, they're, they're like uh, six by six, and he would okay. break them in like four pieces. He would put them on a grill with bacon grease for 30 minutes in a like in aluminum foil, so the grease couldn't go anywhere but in the rocks. And he would just set that damn rock down and put a trap in front of it and catch coyotes on the beach in Florida. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean that that's what he was doing. And I was thinking maybe with with if you can talk Lily into like pouring bacon grease over these hundred pound rocks and move them around, I just think it'd be funny. Yeah, that's funny, but I gotta buy a bigger stove for her to cook her rocks. <laughs> These rocks are big. I know they are. I've seen them. <laughs> no, but there is, you know, and that's well in today's world to have an intelligent discussion with a little bit of debate. People can't do it anymore. Where you, you and I can sit down, maybe have a beer or whatever. And talk, and all these ideas get rolling. Mm-hmm. Trappers need to do that more. Yeah, I, they I need totally to do agree. that more. Your convention that you and Jeff had, that fire that night, there was ideas floating around there. There was it, They need to get in a community more and not argue and really have some intelligent debate. It, some of it will work for you, some of it won't. The funniest thing I seen was Willie, this, I say that video this spring, last spring, trying to set a set off of Clint Lockheader's book. <laughs> to actually take the book with you because when you read the book you get your own thought of the set right, right. and now I told her take take the book and actually do it in almost a step by step I tried doing it myself it was tough because I have so much muscle memory when I grab a trap right and I'm going to make a set you know it's an A, B, C type step and it's like oh hang on but it's the only way you can really try someone's method and actually do it for my personality, without blending yourself, to see if it works. Always, right away, you're doing your own variation, you know? 
Well, I used I used to be on a kick where when I would find natural holes from badgers, groundhogs, mice, whatever it was, I would take pictures of it and I would blow those pictures up to like six by six on the computer and I would put them in a book. And every set I went to, like for the next four sets, I'm making it look just like this. And I was amazed how hard that was to do because we normally do what we normally do. Yeah, especially as, as the years go on, you set so many sets, it's just muscle memory. It's To change what you do is tough, but if you can actually try to be open-minded and do things, and especially in the off-season, you know, guys are, what's the best trap? What's this, or how do you do that? Well, why don't you go out in the yard and dig a hole and bed a trap? Mm-hmm. Try to mimic the hole like you're talking. There's a lot of things to be doing. There is. There really and is. And then when it comes to snow trapping, you got to be really open. You have to have an open mind. Now, you, you're going to find in your system that, A, you like trail sets better. Maybe you like pipe sets better. Maybe you like grass bedding better. It's all going to be what works for you. My dad was just, me and him were having a conversation about that. Well, he was laughing about Lily because he wants to get a picture of him carrying Lily's rocks. He has a big <laughs> fake rock out in his yard. It's big, but you can pick it up. Then he said you should take a picture of me carrying a rock behind Lily trap. <laughs> I mean, the thing's like four feet. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as silly as that sounds, if you were to find a bunch of those for sale somewhere, why wouldn't you use them? Right. Think like a kid a little bit. Have some fun. And you might be surprised what happens. I got on Lily a little bit about her big rock. I said, if you put that much effort into that big a rock, you better have more than one set on it. You should set <laughs> both sides of it at least. Because <laughs> it's easier to put a trap in the ground and roll that big rock. <laughs> That's true. Well, before we end, but, man, what is your best advice for people in the snow? I mean, what what would you... Because it's, it's obviously a big problem because every year I'm getting all these questions. And for me, you know, when I, when I first started trapping in Alaska, what I did was so ugly, I'm embarrassed to tell people today what I did to catch stuff. So what do you think is the best advice for people in deep snow? Best advice is don't be afraid to fail. That's pretty much good life advice. But besides that, try a lot of things. Uh, understand your coyotes. Understand food sources. Even now with mating season, everyone thinks the coyote's just running around. They can't run forever and breed. They have to eat, too. Mm-hmm. So understanding your travel routes, because then you'll get them tight trails. And that's where you know in your, on your line you're gonna know in your head when you're sitting there watching the news that night, and it's dark and you have you don't have a lot going on, and you're like, "Whoa, it's gonna snow four inches tonight." I could run out for an hour and throw six sets out. You have to be that guy. Just go throw them traps out on the trails, know where they're at. Preparation. That makes sense. Well, we're gonna end the show, but I want you to stay on a few minutes, okay? All right, thanks. All right, brother. Appreciate it.